Greetings, and welcome to Montessori in Action, a podcast for Montessori educators to remind you that you are not alone. I'm your host, Elizabeth Slade, and let's spend some time listening to what is in the hearts and on the minds of other Montessorians. Wildflower is an ecosystem of decentralized Montessori micro-schools that support children, teachers, and families. They aspire to give all children and families the opportunity to have high-quality education in beautiful learning environments, and they do this through the creation of small, teacher-led schools. Our guests for this episode are the leadership team for a new initiative in Washington, D.C., a Wildflower Public Charter School. The DC Wildflower Public Charter School is a non-hierarchical organization that will create up to six one-room community-embedded micro-Montessori schools led by teachers embedded in a neighborhood serving families in the District of Columbia. Welcome. I am so pleased to have the DC Wildflower Public Charter School leadership team with me today. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Great. I was hoping you could each go around and introduce yourself, maybe beginning with you, Maya. Sure. My name is Maya Blankenship. I am with the Wildflower Foundation, and I am on the founding team for the charter. Hi, uh, my name is Rochelle Kimboko, and I'm the Executive Director for Stakeholder Engagement for DCPCS. Hi, I'm Ebony Marshman, and I am um, a founding teacher leader for the Riverseed School. And hello, my name is Zani Dalili, and I am the other founding teacher leader for the Riverseed School. I am so pleased that you all managed to find the same amount of time in your calendar for us to gather together. It is miraculous, and I'm really pleased to have you today. Um, We're going to start out by just hearing a little bit about the origin story of your project. And Maya, I was hoping you would share with our listeners how how this project came to be. Sure. Um, I'm delighted to. uh, I think the project's came to be primarily because of the vibrant uh, public Montessori community here in the District of Mm -hmm. Columbia. Um, I found out about the Wildflower Foundation through City Bridge Education. And at the time, they were looking for an entrepreneur to energize this project um, through local funding to really create a charter pathway so that trained Montessori educators uh, already with a track record here in D.C. um, could be a part of creating intentionally small community embedded uh, micro Montessori schools across the district. So when I learned about the project, I was like, ooh, I want these schools for my daughter at the time, Zuri Joan. was approaching two years old. I myself am a Montessori kid, and I believe in the power and agency that a Montessori education can provide children. And I also um, had worked here in D.C. for over 15 years. Um, But the idea of it being teacher-led and intentionally small 
um, was what really inspired me the most. And um, after a series of a lot of different conversations, I got hired for the job. And um, my number one priority was being able to energize a team of experienced charter operators, education policy experts um, that would be able to apply for a charter. So it took us about a year and a half. And mm-hmm. in January of 2021, we submitted an application for DC Wildflower Public Charter School. Um, leading up until that point, I spent about a year and a half recruiting um, teachers that might have an interest in, in actually starting the school sites. And that's where I had the opportunity to meet Zani and Ebony. And I mean, the minute I met them, I was like, oh, I hope they will want to do this. Um, <laughs> and I met many other uh, teachers who expressed an interest. Um, but I remember one of the things that I had to do early on was exercise constraint, mm-hmm. restraint, mm-hmm. because um, one thing we've noticed at the Wildflower Foundation, uh, a key ingredient for a teacher leader to be successful with the entrepreneurial roller coaster ride of starting a school is they have to want the school more than we do. Um, mm. They have to mm. have this vision inside of them. And it needs to be something that they would do with or without us. Right, um, right. And so... Um, that that requires a level of uh, restraint, especially as a parent who evaluates and engages every teacher leader from the standpoint of, would I want this person in front of my child? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a real discernment process to end up with your team. Yes, and self-driven. So Mm -hmm. I think one of the unique things that attracted me to Wildflower and what we're now creating um, with this charter is um, self-management, a self-management and um, TEAL organization, um, which centers teachers' autonomy and allows us to rethink the role of hierarchy um, when you think about running designing, running, and operating a school. Um, what if the needs of students and families were centered as we mm-hmm. made every decision about a school instead of um, having folks who are two or three degrees removed from the day-to-day operations of a school making all the decisions? And so Wildflower believes in um, this notion that True liberation um, has to reside both in the adults who are operating and creating a culture at the school and with, through Montessori with the students who mm-hmm. we follow and observe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for shaping that story. Um, Zani, I wonder if you'd lead off in talking about how you came to be involved in this project. Yes, sure. Um First of all, Maya, thank you for all of that. And um, like Maya said, um, I had an idea of wanting to have a very small, intimate school for the last several years. Um, It actually, the seed first came when I was in my Montessori training 
and I was observing at different Montessori schools. And I observed at a few that were absolutely beautiful. Um, I mean, there were tone bars. There's a, there was a piano. You have children creating songs about cats at the same time <laughs> that you have other children practicing division, you know, practicing, you know, putting on a play together. And at that point, um, I had a little bit of experience in um, primary classrooms. Um, I was an assistant for a primary classroom for a year. I had worked in the primary setting for a year before I started teaching, but I had never really been able to see um, an elementary program. And I just was completely in love with it. But there was a, I had a certain prickling because as I was watching all these beautiful things unfold and seeing all these children walking to school, um, riding their bikes, all of this stuff in a very, very small, intimate space. And the classroom that comes to mind the most is one that actually had first through fifth graders in the same room. So that really just energized a lot within me. But there were very few children of color in the classroom, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. um, again, similar to Maya, at this time, my daughters were four. And I was like, well, this is a beautiful place. I would love for my children to have this type of intimate experience where they're affirmed in this way. But I knew, I was like, well, if my children were at, were at a private school like this, they would not have the same experience as these other children. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started to think then, it's like, well, what would that mean if I would be able to have a very small, intimate school in Washington, D.C., in my neighborhood, I live in Ward 7, so a school that explicitly, and, and it's very centered towards Black children and other children inside our neighborhood. And mm -hmm. at that time, I had heard about Wildflower a couple of years ago, and I just tucked it in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I was like, you know what, something needs to be done, because I really do believe that Montessori is a very liberatory path of education. And I really do believe that our children in particular need to be inside an environment where they are affirmed, where they are taught that they can be free, where they can question, where they can explore creative pursuits while also focusing on their academics. And it was really hard for me to see that in other settings um, while mm -hmm. maintaining that intimate mm -hmm. space. So at that point, um, and it's, I almost remember to the day, I told myself, this is something that I want to do in the future. But first, I wanted to work inside a Montessori elementary classroom. I had a wonderful experience there. I was able to go through um, the full cycle of my lower elementary with my lower elementary students through the pandemic also, this is also kind of a pandemic baby, <laughs> which we could talk about later. Um, but at, at that point, I was like, you know what, this is what I want. And here are some of the things that I need to do in order to bring this into fruition. And so um, a few years later, when I met Maya um, at an event, and I heard that Wildflower was coming to D.C., but it wasn't the private school northeast mm -hmm. version mm -hmm. where teachers right. can do this and no In a storefront it, and yeah. it was so mm -hmm. different the language was so intentional it was specifically calling out the fact that children of the global majority need this type of education and they need you know an intimate the option to have these intimate spaces and that it should be teacher led and so i just fell all over it and i was like well this is here we have a pathway to 
so I can manifest this dream that I have. And so that is what Wildflower has meant to me. It's like, you know, being able to provide a pathway to make this um, this dream become um, something that is true and that will be able mm-hmm. to be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And Ebony, how did you find your way into this? Well, um, I found my way in a similar path to Zani. So I started, um, well, I'll take it back. I'll start with my actual introduction to Montessori. Um, so my introduction to Montessori came um, to kind of a similar setting to what Zani was saying of witnessing this like super beautiful, super liberatory, um, just really beautiful example of what education could look like for children. And the overlap in our story is that the school that I started at, so I was working as an assistant in a toddler program and a, uh, a private school is much like a wildflower school kind of in design and size and things like that. Um, but the I didn't see myself reflected. Like I didn't see um, I didn't see black children around. And there was just this sense of like, wow, I really believe in what I'm doing here. And this is beautiful. And I would have loved to have this experience as a child. But I don't in that sense, I don't know how I would have felt welcome as a child, you know, navigating a space in that way. Um, so I worked at, in that program for a year and then I went to my Montessori training right after that. And that experience just really affirmed like all these things I thought I was witnessing about Montessori. Um, like, no, this is intentional. And it really is this way. It really can be this beautiful. Um, at the same time, there was this sense of as I was learning more about programs and even doing my own student teaching and kind of witnessing the same patterns in demographic, um, that really made me make the choice to, to know that I wanted to work exclusively in public Montessori. Like I wanted, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want, I didn't want to be in a classroom that, um, was not diverse, did not have black children, I'll say specifically. Um, and even though that's similar to how for some of the years, um, as a child, I moved a lot and there were some years of my life where it's like, okay, I am maybe the only black child present or one of two or one of not enough, you know? Um, But just thinking about the beautiful things that the Montessori um, framework really like emphasizes, it doesn't really make sense for it to not be more representative of the children that are here and more representative of, of the cultures that, you know, the children who make up public school systems and things. Um, So Thinking about Wildflower specifically, so I learned about Wildflower, the, you know, that private sector, the one that I blew off as well, maybe around 2016. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, private schools, Mm -hmm. still super white, (laughs) same old, same Mm -hmm. old, tossing it aside. Um, When I learned about the, um, what was coming to DC and that option, that was probably around 2019 or so I can't remember before the pandemic and um it was through Maya Maya talking a little bit about different um things I know the big event that really kind of like got me all the way invested was this event called um Montessori in the Black Community which was hosted Mm -hmm. at Howard University and that was that was powerful because even though I'd been working in public Montessori in the city that space was what I've been waiting for for years, like just to have this sense of like, okay, but how does this look for us? Like, what does this look like? And, you know, what are thinking about 
um, the potential of like, okay, if practical life, if the classroom really was a f- um, reflecting Black culture and experiences, but also just having that chance to talk about Montessori in that space, that exclusive space um, where you know, thinking about the diversity among us and the range of experience, but you know, okay, like we're coming from a similar framework yeah, and like yeah. right here, none of us are the minority in this space right now. So like, mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. this potential? What's this possibility? Um, so I met, like I said, I met Maya around that same time and we had a few meetings to, you know, start thinking about like listening sessions. Like I wasn't fully committed or into it, um, or thinking that it was something I could truly follow through with, um, until about 2020. And that's when I began that formal process of working on my exploration album. And for me, you know, I mentioned the year because, you know, 2020 was rough, (laughs) you know, for everybody, Mm -hmm. uh, we were all there, um, And I just remember in the summer, so by the time summer came around, we were doing, um, you know, a few months of virtual teaching of this kind of start of the future, you know, where we are now with education looking way different, especially as Montessori educators. Um, But there was also just that time around summer that for me, I felt like I hit this national kind of rock bottom of just like watching all every single institution fall apart around us and seeing these truths really amplified of you know the relationship that this nation has to black people in our lives um the relationship that capitalism in this nation has to schools like just the relationship of everything that's being like you know, the wool was pulled and things were just Mm -hmm. as bad, you know, kind of as we thought. So that really motivated me to just really, and I I feel like motivation is not even a strong enough word, but that's when I felt the most compelled of like, what do I want right now? And what I wanted was a school. And so what I was, um, what was coming to be was just this vision of like, okay, what does, what, what does my ideal school look like? What does it feel like? Who's there? Um, You know, what are we doing in a day? Just really thinking of all those details. And that's what, you know, propelled me into finishing my exploration album and um, really getting us to where we are now. So something I don't think we mentioned yet. So Zani and I, um, you know, we're partners in in founding the Riverseed School, but we also have worked together for the past five years. Um, so there's been this, um, We've really been, I would say, partners for that that entire time because we, when we started, we started at a a new program in DC, and just kind of the the lessons we learned on that journey um, mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. really powerful and have shaped us into the educators we are now. Um, mm-hmm. And thinking about the work we're going to do moving forward, there's just, I feel just such a a profound sense of faith. And what we're doing Mm -hmm. now, because, Mm -hmm. you know, as I was saying, you know, kind of witnessing every institution crumbling and really internalizing, like how that made me feel and, um, you know, kind of the sense of what next. I can say that that completion, that time of completion, completing the exploration album through the entire time that we kind of began to move forward. That was what got me through, you know, teaching through the. 2020, 2021 school year in a pandemic still, well, everything's still crumbling, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. really just being able to enter that space and be surrounded by um, people who are just really envisioning a better future and willing to work towards it and actively, you know, us actively supporting each other. um, That was just really important to me. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it to Rochelle now. Um, 
Before you do, I'm mm-hmm. just curious because you mentioned the Exploration album.、Mm-hmm. Um, would you just talk a little bit, just briefly explain to listeners and to me what what is an Exploration <laughs> album? I'm so you know put album next to any word and I'm intrigued. <laughs>、uh, sure. So the Exploration album. That's basically the place where you map out your vision of as a teacher,、mm-hmm. as a teacher leader,、mm-hmm. of what、mm-hmm. you want. So the exploration album it, it asks you about the vision. It asks you、um, about the community that you want to embed、mm-hmm. in.、Um, mm-hmm. I think it also gives additional information on kind of just knowing those principles of wildflower and what this is and what it requires.、Um, because something that I will say became more clear with the DC hub of、uh, wildflower, which then you know. Then became the DC、um, Wildflower Public Charter School was this sense of like no no A bar is not optional like this is foundational like this is we're leading with equity we're leading with this sense of teachers and community kind of these immediate stakeholders being the ones who are leading things and not、um, not just kind of thinking of like okay what's your vision of making、um, a Montessori school that m- can take or leave those principles you know that's not that's not an option so. Um, along with completing,、um, there's more components to it. There's a part of completing that whole process is, ha- is seeking advice from、um, mm. fellow educators, community members,、mm-hmm. um, financial experts, like you know whoever could offer meaningful advice.、Um, so it's pretty much like the setup for success, you know, for any、mm. teacher leader、mm-hmm. who is. Curious about this because even on the journey, you have all sorts of guidance of like, well, I don't know anything about that. Like, what do I do? You know, there's people around who can help you flesh that、mm. out better. Sani, did you work on your album with Ebony? Did you guys do some collaborating as you created this? Did you know you were going towards the same end at the time of building these albums? Well. Um, so we <laughs> we completed our exploration album separately. However. We were already in cahoots with each other about wildflower, DC, creating these spaces for Black children.、Mm-hmm. You know, focusing、mm-hmm. on communities east of the river in DC, and just sharing a lot of our sentiments about teachers, like wanting to be more at the table, wanting to continue to grow as educators while still having more autonomy. All of these different things. So. We supported each other through our exploration albums.、Um, Ebony was actually one of my advice givers.、Um, however, we were very intentional about. We were like, okay, I have this vision about what I want. You know, Ebony has her own vision about what she wants, and I think this is important for all educators, all teachers that are interested in doing something like this. Even if you do have a good friend or a colleague that you you suppose that you may come together, I think. The exploration album—it's just so instrumental in being able to clarify your thoughts and your ideas. And so, I think mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. many educators, especially over the last two years, have gone through this big reckoning about their place,、yeah. what we need to、mm-hmm. do to really、mm-hmm. change education and to really、mm-hmm. support our students and our families and ourselves as educators on this path. And I think、mm-hmm. it's just really important to be able to clarify that. So. Ebony and I, we did our exploration albums separately. We were both advice givers for each other, which I think also helped to push us more together. Because it's like, okay, yes, I know you. I work with you. Yes, our visions are definitely similar enough.、Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I don't know if it's going to come up, but we have, or maybe it will when we talk about our vision, but、um, about the importance of nature and outdoor education. 
And Mm -hmm. um, Ebony in particular, she really wanted um, space and to be able to center that. But as you know, that's really difficult to do in a city. Um, But however, our planning album, so when we decided that we're like, you know what? Yes, let's do this together. I can't see doing this with anyone else. Please, Ebony, work with me. Um, (laughs) That was me. Um, We we actually... um, did our planning album together. And so Mm -hmm. the planning stage, that's the next stage. That's the second stage. So you have the exploration when you figure out your vision. You have your planning stage when you're really thinking about the nitty gritty. You're thinking about your facilities. You're thinking about your budget. You're thinking about engaging other community stakeholders. And not only are you thinking about those things, it's also asking for you about like, what are the concrete steps that you have taken so similar to the exploration album, it helps guide you in that phase of starting up a school with really making you think about those essential questions, making you think about who you need to be in contact with. And then um, on top of that, still plugging you in with a network of advice givers, which I really mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. is one of the mm-hmm. most beneficial parts of this journey. Um I say this several to several people all the time. It's like, yes, I've always wanted to do something like this, but it would have taken me a long time to be able to cultivate the network to do this on my own. And so mm-hmm. having Wildflower there to support me and to make sure I'm talking to someone that can help us with the budget, you know, putting us in touch with the real estate um, broker that can talk to us about properties and zoning. It's it's It just makes all those things that are really big and heady and, you know, that we, or I'll just say for myself, I didn't have as much experience as a classroom educator, Mm -hmm. knowing all those things, it just puts it more into our grasp. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What an amazing process. Um, And it sounds like structures that really support success. And I absolutely love that they're called albums. I know that's just (laughs) silly, but, um, and just what you're saying, Zani, about how the exploration album is between you and you, where it's like clarity about your own vision, which goes back to what you were saying, Maya, about needing to want it more than wildflowers. Like I I need to really tap into what is driving me here. Um, And then the planning album would be when you find that right person to to be collaborating with to jump in to those those big more abstract topics like finances and real estate and right things that are um asking for a wider view thank you so much for both of you yeah and and the only thing i would add is like each teacher leader finds their own way differently some mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. teacher leaders already come into exploration knowing who their partner is and they're working Mm -hmm, together mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. the beginning. Other teacher leaders find their partner, change their partner between the time that they go through exploration and planning because life is also happening. So uh, we fully expect teacher leaders to take 12 to 18 months, sometimes even longer if they um, don't have Montessori training to uh, start and open a wildflower school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for clarifying that. So, Rochelle, I know Ebony passed it to you a while ago when we fell into album conversation. Oh, no. Do you want to share how, how you came into this project? 
Um, so I was making some notes as Ebony and Zani were talking because there, there are just so many kind of places of connection. It's really, it's lovely. Um, but I will go really way, way, way back to my own experience of my child's first school, which was mm. a tiny little, um, you know, it was a private school, but it was a tiny little school and very much how, um, I think I imagine Ebony and Zani will be in their space, which is that they, you know, it's a purpose-built space um, or, you know, purpose-renovated space in an old house and um, and a teacher um, kind of leader, director, and her daughter, who was also a school director, who just really tucked us, my daughter and I, under their arms, right? And we were part of the family. Um, and, and it was very clear that the whole school was kind of extended family. So that's, that is, uh, you know, kind of a, an old feeling about how Montessori can be that I think is, is really important. Um, I'm glad I had that experience. Um, my first touch with wildflower, um, probably came at a NAMTA conference, um, just as, as, um, Karen and, um, I think it was Castle were starting to really promote the idea. And I was like, Oh, that's super intriguing. Um, you know, uh, uh, corn is, you know, and Castle both are, are, are just lovely humans to kind of get to know. And so we would see each other in conferences and they would remember that we'd met and they were probably thinking, Oh, one day we're going to make her start a school. <laughs> you know, we're going to talk her into doing this. And I was like, Oh, so interesting. No, thank you. Um, but let me know how I can support. Um, and so it really stayed, I would say at that, like, you know, I'll see you. I think you're awesome. If people are thinking about starting schools, I will certainly send them to go find out more about Wildflower. Um, and then, um, Maya hit the district, right? And she was looking for, <laughs> well, one of the things that, um, is lovely about working someplace for a long time. So I've been in DC almost 20 years, um, is that you, you know, hopefully you build relationships, right? And so you have relationships. And I have always really um, valued um, knowing Montessorians. I've worked, you know, studied and worked and um, gotten to know people in, in a bunch of different schools and contexts. And so um, Maya was directed to, to touch, you know, to touch base with me and see if, you know, if I could help, you know, help her kind of... Um, you know, think about who else to talk to that she might not have met yet and just help um, support her being a connector because she definitely is a connector. And I, one day I will be as good at it, at it as she is. But, you know, I also kind of aspire to that, to that, um, to having that be a real, you know, a real skill set, right? Like being able to say, oh, you need this. Let me, you know, here are three people that you can talk to about that. So that's really how um, the relationship deepened here in the district. Um, and at the same time, I was um, working, um, well, I'm on the board, uh, the, a founding board member at Breakthrough. So I knew Ebony and Zani and their work. And so when it came up that they were interested, I was really excited and also a little conflicted because as a board member, you know, you don't really want to lose your awesome t teachers. But I thought, oh, well, they're really contributing to the development of Montessori in the community. And I think that's another um, another big um, 
thing for me is that I, I really see um, my role in Wildflower in in general um, taking this position of growing more Montessori, right? More and different mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. for people to get connected to Montessori that works for them. So for someone else, you know, a, a larger private school or a larger public school program might be what fits. Um, but if you are someone who really wants to be able to walk to your neighborhood school that has, you know, has a small class or just, a, you know, two classrooms, then then that's what Wildflower can be for you. Um, and, and still be public, which is amazing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, as Maya was working on kind of putting things together, the school where I was working was also really um, kind of doubling down on, on thinking about how to use ABAR practices and how to really build the muscles of the teachers at, at, and um, just our whole community around looking at anti-racism, looking at anti-bias. And that meant doing a lot of personal work, um, which really made it more clear for me that that, that you know, making Montessori available for black and brown students and making it um, uh, an effective experience, you know, making it be a positive experience for them and their families was really important to me. Um, and in addition, mm-hmm. I was getting mm-hmm. to um, coach teachers, which as a teacher, like the the idea of getting to support teachers and, and figuring out how, um, actually, when I first, first uh did my training. I did it because I wanted to be an administrator. Ironically, it took me about, you know, 15 years to get there, but (laughs) it took a long time to get there because I I detoured and actually taught. Um, But I remember thinking, I want to be the person who makes sure that the teachers can work their magic, right? And here I am, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's lovely mm-hmm. because I do think that's my role in this network, right? So I am not the boss of them. This is their school. Um, but I am in a position to, you know, leverage my network, to leverage relationships that I have, to, to be the person who kind of pays attention to making sure that, that every, you know, all the plates are spinning and, you know, all the things are correctly aligned so that they can focus on designing and, and being in their school, right? And um, and the same for the other leaders who come to us. Um, mm-hmm. So that's super mm-hmm. exciting. Um, and then I think mm. that Wildflower organizationally um, is just the most, um, it's also liberating for me as a leader, right? Because I get to be a school leader, or a network leader, which sounds silly at this point because, you know, we're one school, but um, who doesn't have to work in that hierarchical framework, right? Who doesn't have to, um, who who can be committed to transparency, right? Transparency is such an important value in Wildflower. Um, and I remember being frustrated as a teacher and even as a school leader um, that the transparency that I really wanted was not there, right? Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and thinking that 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 I could help make some of those big decisions that were going to impact me, but was never asked, or um, or when I was asked, it felt like our, you know the advice that we were giving wasn't being taken, and there was no mm-hmm. explanation of why. And I think in Wildflower, mm-hmm. we have structures for for me as well, getting advice about how to do things right. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. about the infrastructure that we put in place for the charter. It's not me making those decisions by myself or Maya and I making those decisions by ourselves. It, you know, Zani and Ebony are part of 
almost every decision, whether they like it or not. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they, we definitely, you know, they are key advice givers. And as new teacher leaders come on, they will also be key advice givers. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a different mm-hmm. relationship with a board of directors, right? You know, I, I'm not scared of my board. <laughs> I, you know, I, um, I, I think of them as colleagues and getting the work done and that they are, you know, that it's my job to make good decisions, but it's their job to really interrogate my decisions and give me advice if they think I'm making a big mistake. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's been, Mm -hmm. you know, I've only been here for a very short time, but it's, but it has really been lovely. And I'm, I am super excited about the potential um, as we get to be a bigger network of schools as well. Hmm. Thank you. Rochelle, I know we're close at time, but the one thing I, uh, your, your story made me realize is we didn't share the full scope of, uh, our charter approval. So DC Wildflower Public Charter School has conditional approval to serve up to 225 students across six micro schools. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I think the container that uh, Rochelle is, uh, was speaking to is really powerful in the sense that, like, down the line, we're fully expecting that there'll be anywhere from 10 to 12 teacher leaders a part of this network um, and serving um, over 200 students and that the actual growth of what that will look like and where those schools will be will be driven by uh, the wards, community members in wards four, five, seven, and eight, and the teacher leaders who have, you know, the vision um, for the school. So in community and in working together over the next three years, these schools will be co-designed and created. And I think that's a powerful piece in addition to creating a board structure where there will always be a teacher voice at the table. So the structure of our board um, includes uh, Rochelle as the executive director, but also two teacher leader representatives. And every year, the teacher leaders will decide who are who's going to represent us on the board this year um, mm. so that the advice giving will always continue, even as um, each site develops its own identity, trajectory mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. impact in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's such a lovely design to have that collaborative piece. Thank you so much for sharing how you came together to form this group. I wonder if you'd end with sharing with our listeners some visions that you might have. What is your vision for this big work that you've taken on? And Ebony, will you launch us? Sure. Yeah. So I think I began to go into vision a little bit when I was discussing my origin story. Um, And I think in this moment, rather than getting very specific about my vision for the Riverseed School. Um, I'm going to go a little broader. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And for me, the vision and my ideal vision is this really for, for education to be shaped by its most immediate stakeholders, and that being students, teachers, um, families, and then kind of moving beyond that, neighbors, community, you know, shaping in that way. And I feel 
part of the reason that I really want to like lean into that part um, coming from this space of lack of faith that I alluded to and like larger institutions and how they've run and, and things now, I feel that by working on this intimate scale, like this is really how sustainable change can be shaped because I feel there's a whole lot of everybody wants, you know, to do things a different way. And how can we keep replicating the same? Like that's, that's the past. That's what I feel mm-hmm. like has kind of brought us to now this moment mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. you know, you're a teacher, you're excited about <laughs> saving all children and doing all the things, but then you're burnt out prematurely because mm-hmm. of this heavy load and because of this, um, imbalance perhaps in, in how, and how, I guess this mutual community respect and care and just all of these components. So just circling back to like my vision is one where, you know, the most immediate stakeholders are really just shaping the futures they want. So mm-hmm. I'll stop there because I could keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and next is Zani. Um, sure. So I will... So I feel like Ebony gave a very more broad view, which of course informs what we're trying to do with the River Seed School. Um, so I will say more specifically, River Seed, we intend to be a very intimate school setting. We will only have up to 60 students because both of us really feel very strongly that, like Ebony just said, change comes from within, but it's, it's important to start small so you can really focus on what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. really want River Seed to be a space where we're able to listen to our community members, where families are also able to help us make decisions about the school, about what we do, where the children also, and this is a big thing for, that I learned from Montessori Elementary, when when you're in doubt, let the children lead, really, because <laughs> at the end of the day, they have better ideas than we do. Like one of my students today told me how she thinks I should meet new students. And I was like, oh, you're right. That's a good idea. (laughs) So, but the whole purpose, the whole idea of that is that I recognize that I cannot do this on my, by myself. Me and Ebony, even as a team, we can't do this by ourselves. Like it, it requires a community. And so also acknowledging Mm -hmm. that the community needs to be part of shaping what we have. And we really want it to be intimate. We really want it to be specifically centered around the needs of Black children. Um, And we also really hold dearly the, the understanding that the natural world is very important. And as we cultivate that connection between us and our natural world and within the children, that they'll also have a better understanding of themselves and their place in it. Hmm. Mm, lovely. Rochelle, do you want to piggyback on that? Um, I'm really excited to look at some of the relationships that seem to be baked into Montessori um, schools. Um, one in particular that we've all talked about in different versions is this kind of the, the relationship between assistants and teachers, for example, or, mm. or mm-hmm. between the teaching staff and the admin and um, hoping that in our small schools we'll have the opportunity to practice doing that differently um, that maybe others can learn from, right? And we can, we can mm. help spread that. Mm. Hopefully, you know, um, help people see that it can be different um, just like we can be different with the children. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like some proof points about actually doing that. Mm-hmm. That's a lovely vision. Maya. 
I think um, my vision is really tied to a quote from uh, Lilla Watson, who's uh, an indigenous trailblazer and educator. If you have come to come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. I think my vision is that I am able to continue to liberate myself and therefore be a model of liberation for my daughter. And that here in D.C., we're able um, to, uh, in a community-driven way, um, in a way that communities decide, design, and partner with educators, we're able to create schools that can really adapt on a dime to the needs of that neighborhood mm-hmm. and set children up to thrive, not just at that school um, for the time that they're there, but to thrive in life and to be um bound in everyone's liberation together because we cannot do this work alone. Hmm. What a wonderful resounding end to this great conversation because it's been one of the through lines through, right? Not doing this work alone, the interconnectedness of this mission. Um, So thank you again for taking time from your busy days to come and talk about your project. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Our show is a project of Public Montessori in Action, elevating voices in the community to forward the mission. Our host is Elizabeth Slade. Our producer is Isaac Price Slade. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with others. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts.